on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. These cartel guys, it's all about business for them. They want to get it to market and make money out of this. A 33 million euro crystal meth seizure linked to the Sinaloa cartel has served as a dramatic wake-up call. A lot of governments, including the United States, would consider them also effectively a terrorist group. What read like an RTE adaptation of Breaking Bad had many people questioning why on earth are the infamous Mexican cartel doing business in Ireland? You want to cook like me? <coughs> you let us both live. And I will teach you. But this country's links with the Latin American drug lords has become much more established in recent years. As Kerry's Maris O'Shea Salazar rapidly rose up the chain of command. He has emerged as a major player in the Siloan cartel to grow their drug supply network in Europe. I'm Fianon Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Ralph Regal, Southern correspondent with the Irish Dependent, and by Jude Webber, Ireland correspondent with the Financial Times, to discuss Ireland's latest blockbuster seizure and to ask who exactly are the Sinaloa cartel. Ralph Regal, major drug seizures down on the south coast are nothing new, but this one was probably a bit unusual. Take us back to, to last Friday and what happened. Yeah, yeah. as you said, Fanon, we've had far bigger drug seizures in the south. I mean, for instance, uh, the, the, the 500 kilograms odd of, of crystal meth that was seized in, uh, in the Port of Cork, that's worth, that is a street value of around 33 million. Of course, if you look at Dunlock Bay, the famous drug seizure um, off the West Cork coast, where uh, the smugglers, one of the smugglers, accidentally put diesel into a petrol outboard engine, a rib overturned, and there were bales of cocaine floating in the water. Dunlock Bay had a street value of between four hundred and four hundred and fifty million, and of course went on to inspire films such as The Young Offenders. 
But what makes the events of last Friday quite unique is that for once it, it involved a drug export rather than a drug import operation because the focus of the Garda investigation into the seizure in Cork last Friday is that these drugs were being manufactured in Ireland and that while some may have been intended for the domestic market, the vast majority of the shipment was actually intended for overseas and they believe it was destined for the Australian market. Yeah, so we're used to drugs being imported into Ireland, some of it going to the Irish market and the rest kind of going on to England and to the continent and, and so on and so forth. But it's kind of, it's coming in from, from other countries. In this case, it was a direct export from Ireland that was at hand. Yeah, very much so. And a number of different reasons behind it, the Guardi believe. Uh, for a start, whereas the drug market in Ireland is dominated by cannabis, cocaine and heroin, the drug market in places like New Zealand and Australia is absolutely dominated by crystal meth. Um, it fetches four to five times on the street in Australia what it would actually make here. ICE is also known as crystal methamphetamine. Among those who use methamphetamine, ICE has become more popular than other forms of the drug like speed, and addicts are using it more often. Some of the worst impacts of the deadly drug are now being seen in Aboriginal communities. No, it has devastating social consequences. What is unique about crystal meth and, and these other designer drugs is that you're not dependent on a pipeline to the major cocaine manufacturing areas, which would say be South America um, or the opium markets of, of say, the, the Far East and Asia. It literally, as, as you look at Breaking Bad, all you need is the correct chemicals, um, a decent knowledge of science, and you know a backyard uh, production um, lab, and you can actually make these kind of drugs. This is pure glass. This this is art, Mr. White. Actually, it's just basic chemistry. But thank you, Jesse. I'm glad it's acceptable. So, what the Guardian are now looking for, firstly is the manufacturing centre. Where was the crystal meth being manufactured? And secondly, what they're trying to do is investigate the various aspects of the, the, the drug gang involved. The fear is that the individuals that were behind this crystal meth manufacturing and exporting operation are connected to the Sinaloa cartel uh, in Mexico. And of course, it's worth pointing out that the Sinaloa, they're not just a drugs cartel. I mean, a lot of governments, including the United States, would consider them also effectively a terrorist group, that they're so powerful that they almost have their own paramilitary forces. They're involved in arms shipments, assassinations, and that somehow what was going on in Cork, and of course the arrests were made in Kerry, that it's linked to the European operations of the Sinaloans. Now, what do we know about the two men who were arrested? Yeah, the, the two people were arrested under Section 50 of the Offences Against the State Act, and it, it, we, we that allows them to be held effectively for up to seven days. Now, their period of detention was extended over the weekend, so they can actually be held in custody until Wednesday. We know that they're both middle-aged. Uh, one is a businessman. His arrest has caused consternation. Um, because he would have been very well regarded within business circles and people are shocked that he would be in any way associated or connected with this to the point where Gardy would feel justified in arresting him. The second individual is in his 40s. He is known to Gardy. He is connected to a political family in the Southwest and he is a particularly feared individual. 
He has spent a number of years, I think up to almost a decade uh, in custody on various uh, offences. He has a history of violence. And for people who know him, he is an individual that is treated with extreme caution uh, because he is known to have a very short fuse and is capable of extreme acts of violence. So, bit of shock in in one case, not so much shock uh, in in the other case. Then the investigation has kind of stepped up a level as well. We've got the defence forces even being drafted in to help out with searches. Yeah, I think it's very much down to the complexity of the search operation. Of course, this erupted with the seizure in a, a commercial storage premises in Cork. There was almost 500 kilograms of crystal meth, street value of between 32 and 33 million euros. Now, two individuals were arrested. Uh, uh, two firearms were recovered. And the primary focus of the guard investigation at the moment is locating, firstly, the manufacturing centre. Where were these drugs being manufactured? Where is the lab? And secondly, they believe that there's storage um, aspects to this. So there's a possibility that other quantities of drugs may be stored, but they're particularly concerned that there may be firearms stored because that is one of the big elements of the the whole Sinaloans trade is that drugs and guns go hand in hand. Uh, The the guns are sometimes offered as sweeteners. Uh, They're also supplied to some of the distribution centers so that they can defend and the sales networks, and also that they're used basically for assassination purposes, that anyone who's interfering with or threatening the drug distribution centers, that effectively they can be targeted with these firearms. So two firearms have been seized, but the fear is that there may be others stored. So as we've been pointing out, a lot of activity off the the south coast in recent times. Take us back to September then and that the dramatic events of, of the the cargo ship. So are, are we now kind of thinking that that Cork Kerry region is is a, a major trafficking point uh, for drug cartels? I think it has for some time um, for a number of different reasons. I think geography is one. Um, it is such a rugged and isolated coast that in many cases, if you look at Dunlock Bay, very isolated area, it was ideal for the operations of drug smugglers. I think secondly, the pressures that are on surveillance um, centres, particularly, say, the Coast Guard and the uh, the Naval Service. And we've seen that major pressure on the Naval Service in terms of being able to you know, maintain operational levels on their fleet. A number of vessels are tied up because of manpower issues. All of that, I think, plays into making Ireland a target for these type of drug gangs. Uh, but it's worth pointing out that in many ways, Ireland is a kind of a staging post that drugs that come in here are not necessarily earmarked for the domestic market. They're earmarked for being landed and then transferred onto other markets. It could be the UK, it could be France, Germany, Spain. That's essentially the attraction of Ireland, I think, for the drug smugglers. If you look at the ship that was detained last year, again, the the, the authorities were very careful. They're very mindful of any vessel that operates in the Caribbean, in particular in waters that are off Venezuela and Colombia. So there's a very, very strict uh, maritime surveillance uh, unit that watches vessels that have entered those waters and where do those vessels go. So we have the notorious Sinaloa cartel from, from Mexico implicated here. We have our own notorious drugs cartel too. So when did we find out that the Kinahan cartel was linked to the Mexicans? 
Yeah, well, I think when the Kinahan cartel cut their teeth, it was largely on the basis of connections to the Colombian um, drug gangs, and in particular, the supply of cocaine. But what has happened is that while cocaine remains, you know, a major um, source of profits for drug gangs within Europe, the Mexican gangs have become more and more influential as well. And in particular, I mean, the Mexicans have been dominating the, the, the trafficking market into the United States. But the Mexicans have also turned their attention to Europe, which for many years was really the sole focus of the Colombian and Venezuelan drug gangs. In particular, I think it's because of some of the connections. So, for instance, if you look at the Chilean authorities are currently trying to extradite a man called Morris O'Shea Salazar. And he's a very interesting individual because his father was from Kerry. He was killed in a car accident in Mexico just over 20 years ago. His mother is Mexican and he has emerged. He lived for 10 years of his life in Kilorglan in County Kerry. But he has emerged as a major player in the Sinaloan cartel, in particular with the, the attempts by the Sinaloans to grow uh, their drug supply network uh, in Europe. And just bringing you in here, Jude Weber, for people who haven't watched Narcos Mexico, tell us who or what is the Sinaloa cartel? Well, the Sinaloa cartel is really one of the iconic cartels in, in Mexico, if you like. I mean, there, over the years, there have been different cartels who sort of rise to prominence and then drop back. There are turf wars between them. Their bosses get killed. They die out. Others come up to prominence and take over. But the Sinaloa cartel are the ones that have really dominated Mexico for the last few decades. And I would say that now they're on a par in sort of geographical spread and, and violence and, and danger um, with the Jalisco New Generation Cartel. The Jalisco New Generation Cartel have really come to prominence perhaps in the last decade or just a bit more and and they're really vicious. But the Sinaloa Cartel have got the sort of the history behind them. They were led by El Chapo Guzman, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, who had this kind of mythical status because he escaped from high security prisons, not once but twice. We now know that under the shower was this hole, occupying a blind spot in the cell's CCTV cameras. Beneath it, a tunnel that was his highway to freedom. And this makeshift minecart, adapted from a motorcycle, presumably used to move earth and people along its rails. It's stuff that even narcos Mexico wouldn't be able to think of, you imagine. So the cartels, unfortunately, are, are still very baked into Mexican society. So so they're well known and prominent. They murder people on on an industrial scale, basically. I mean, they're, 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 the death toll from cartels is is just staggering. What, what sort of tactics then do they employ in terms of that brutality to kind of cast a, a web of fear across society? Well, I mean, a lot of drug cartels, what they do is they kind of outsource extortion and things like this. They've got different um, different turfs, you know, this bit's mine, that bit's yours. And then if you stray into my area, well, I'll kill you. And and they, they protect their turf. I mean, a couple of years ago, and again, more recently, actually, some of the sons of El Chapo Guzman, the Mexican state was trying to arrest them. So basically, they, you know, they just launch this wave of violence in the town, in the capital of uh, Sinaloa, Culiacán. The son of the notorious drug lord El Chapo, arrested and taken to the same maximum security prison his father escaped from eight years ago. 
the arrest sparked a wave of violence. Dozens were killed, including 10 military personnel. Dozens of vehicles were set alight, and at least two planes at local airports were hit by gunfire in attacks blamed on the Sinaloa cartel. We've seen any number of really, really horrific murders and, and acts, uh, uh, atrocities committed by all the cartels, really. So part of it is to defend their turf and, and to dissuade others from, you know, muscling in on their patch. And I think that's just very callous disregard for life in general, really. At the end of the day, they're a well-oiled business that operates on an international level. So what what kind of structures do they have? What you mentioned there, that they operate on an international level, is absolutely key. So they've grown out of really a, a sort of a, a cocaine and, uh, to some extent, uh, marijuana and, to some extent, heroin business, the, bringing the cocaine up from Colombia and, and really funneling it into the United States because they're in the north of Mexico, so their business model has always been to get it up into the States, you know, massive market up there. And then recently they've branched out into fentanyl uh, and other synthetic drugs and they get the precursor chemicals from China which come into a western port down on the, the western coast of Mexico. And so their model is kind of defending that corridor in a way and the Jalisco New Generation cartel, their big rivals, are also trying to you know funnel drugs up in that same way. But more on the ground, you know, you'll have these operations but you'll have a, a more sort of loosely cell-like structure as you sort of filter down to the to the retail level in Mexico itself. But um, you'll have formants at, at one level and then you'll have lookouts and things like this. But the higher up you get, there's a lot of bribery. So, you know, you need to bribe the officials to turn a blind eye at the port and then that you need to assure safe passage over into the US. So it's, it really is very sophisticated these days. I mean, the Sinaloa cartel have a reputation for being incredible tunnel builders. They've got any number of tunnels under the border and then they have operations to launder the money um, through companies in the US. You mentioned El Chapo Guzman. Tell us about his status. Where Where is he and what, what's he up to these days? Well, since he tunneled out of jail, things have not been looking quite so good for him. I mean, he was on the run for about a year, but then he was arrested and uh, extradited to the US. And he's in a maximum security jail in, in Colorado, where I really honestly think he'll be for the rest of his life. He now faces a life sentence at Supermax Prison in Colorado, known as the Alcatraz of the Rockies. Its infamous inmates include the Boston Marathon bomber, the Unabomber, and the shoe bomber who tried to bring down a plane. Cells are small at Supermax. The furniture is made of stone, not metal. And he's in his late 60s now. He's appealing it, of course, but his latest appeal was just turned down recently a couple of months ago and there's really no prospect of him being released and this is kind of what we see happening with the cartels you know eventually one of the big bosses gets killed or gets imprisoned and then the reins of the cartel um, usually that there's some dispute over who takes over and so while he's been in jail his kids have been you know fighting for control of the cartel and they're known as the the little chapos los chapitos these guys have a pretty dreadful reputation they're after absolute ruthless murderers. How are they going to take this seizure in Ireland? Will there be retaliation? Will they they simply write it off as the cost of doing business? Will they be wary about coming here again? No, I think they'll write it off as the cost of doing business, really. I mean, it's very significant for Ireland, but, you know, the industrial levels of drugs that they move into the US and, and across the world, I mean, this is probably a drop in the ocean for them. It'll be just factored into their business model. So I'm sure that, you know, they don't like to lose any drugs, but uh, it, it's not going to 
cause the, the cartel to come grinding to a halt. How surprised should we be that the Sinaloa cartel was effectively operating out of Ireland? Probably not that surprised, really. The Kinahans, under Christy Kinahan, have forged links with cartels in Colombia, but probably also in Mexico over the years. And that's where they need to get their raw materials from. These cartel guys, it's all about business. It's hold hard business for them. They want to get it to market and make money out of this. So if there's a market there, I'm, I'm sure they'll exploit it. What police have told me in the past is that Ireland in itself has never really been a massive market, but it's always sort piggybacked on the UK market. Where there's an appetite for drugs, there'll be a a drug cartel looking to supply. And my thanks to Jude Webber and earlier to Ralph Regal. I'm Fiona Sheehan and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Ian Doyle, researched by Dave Hanretty, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE, Netflix, CNN, Fox News and the Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to follow and leave us a review. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in Mon Iroch the end of Chacht Erachor. Agus Suligam, a Makan Shah, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winter Fame. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestin Echol. Vientalam Aginom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.